Well, thanks for being on the show today. Absolutely. Um, could you just start off by saying who you are and what you do? Yeah, I'm Kellen Erskine, and I am a comedian. And that's all that I, well, it's all that I used to do. <laughs> that's, a, that's like the most straightforward answer I think yeah. we've had on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, like uh, I've just been telling people that I'm retired. That's what I've been <laughs> Like, I used to, <laughs> it was a, a joke that didn't work. I tried it three or four times in Target, like during <laughs> June of last year, where I'd be like, uh, so what did you used to do? <laughs> I think that a lot. People weren't it's a, a fan. Fun. Like, I'm in it with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mostly people are like, well, he must have been successful before, you know? And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we could go with that. We can... <laughs> Where are you where are you located now? I'm in LA, just outside of LA. Yeah. How yeah. how long have you been there? I think five years, six years. Okay. All right. Seven. Nice. And then where did you uh where'd you start doing comedy at then? Uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. I grew up there, born and raised. And uh when I started doing comedy, I mean just sort of coincidentally, it's also a at the time, it was also a really great comedy town. It still is, but I say that because now there, are, I feel like at least a couple dozen great comedy towns. Like I mm. think the advent of podcasting really just sort of spread the I don't know the idea that anyone could do it. Uh, but at the time, it was like L.A., New York, Chicago, San Francisco, Seattle. Like those were Denver. That was it. But yeah. now, like I was in Raleigh. North Carolina a couple months ago and people are like, Oh yeah, I can get up every night of the week. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of neat to see that at least, you know, pre pandemic, there were just people setting up shows, you know, in every city all over, which is really great. And I tell people like, don't be in a rush to move to LA or New York. Like if your city has, if you can do time, you know, in South Dakota, like you just get, spend your time getting really good where you live and then move to, you know, a city where you're, you're going to get like three minute open mics. Cause that's what happened when I moved to LA, you yeah. know, you start at the bottom again. Yeah. And I, I believe it. I'm, I'm in Phoenix and often okay. people are surprised on how good the scene is here. Sure. Um, but it, it is definitely one of those kind of like right under like, a, it's not quite a Denver or an Austin, but it's like up there. And uh, yeah, but I've also, I've been touring and gone to Missoula, Montana and been like blown away by the comedy scene there. So yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's so, it's so different than <laughs> what it used to be where it's like, yeah, you had to go to Chicago or, yeah, you know. Yeah. It used to be that you had to like uproot your whole life to move to a city to start doing open mics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And now yeah. you can just sort of stay put for a while. Yeah. Phoenix is great. I really, I enjoy Phoenix. It is, I know it's hacky, but it's, it's unbelievably hot there. The, the biggest, <laughs> the, 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 the biggest like illustration of that to me is when I went, oh, the first time I went to Phoenix, it was like 112 out. And during the day, you know, when you're doing comedy, you just sort of, Norm MacDonald puts it as like, you do comedy and then the other 23 hours you're just sort of roaming around a town looking for food <laughs> so I, I was doing that uh but i felt like when you walk outside 
of a building and into the Phoenix air, it's like stepping into a hot car. And mm -hmm. the, the craziest thing to me was seeing downtown, like just like an entire block of misters, like walking, <laughs> you know, yeah. they're just blowing water down onto you. Like it's such an opposite, like most, most places when, you know, when there's a downtown area with shops, they have those sort of covering to shield you from the, the weather, but they're like making it rain on you on purpose. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Did you grow up in Phoenix? I've spent most of my life. I'm originally from, like as a child, very small child, I was I, I lived in South Dakota, moved to to Phoenix, and then I've moved around a couple of times. Like I've left the state, and then mm. uh, I keep coming back here because of just how solid the comedy scene is, and sure. just and also it's very affordable to live here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So it's uh yeah, but uh, Mister's definitely a weird idea. I didn't realize most of the country didn't do that until later <laughs> in life. Uh, that and also I didn't realize until I started traveling a lot that uh, a lot of places don't have AC everywhere. Like like oh, yeah. in Phoenix, you could be in an elevator. It's going to be the nicest AC elevator. Like it's going to be like <laughs> anything you're riding in. It's just going to be great. <laughs> yeah. People have like AC in their garages in Arizona. That's something yeah. I'd never heard of. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's yeah. It is funny to then move to another place where they don't. Cause I grew up in the Bay area. Not everybody has it there because the temperature is pretty mild, but people mm. coming from a place like Arizona, they act like, like when you're selling a house in San Jose, they'll advertise and there's air conditioning. Like when it used to be like, you ever see a super old, old motel on the side of the road and it's like HBO. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's like telephones. Yeah. Those are the hotels I can afford to stay at <laughs> when I do comedy. <laughs> uh, club, club owner's like, I'll put you somewhere nice. I got you. <laughs> Um, so how, how long have you been doing comedy now? Um, uh, wow. <laughs> 15 years. It was a hesitation. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard to do the math. Do we count this last year? I don't know. All right. I've been feeling the same <laughs> way where I'm, this is my 12th year in comedy mm. and I'm like, really, is it just 11 again? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah it's <laughs> It's weird because I don't want to also keep score and compare myself with other people, but it's hard to like, it's hard to count that first year too, because I didn't, I didn't hit the ground running. I like, mm. I did my first open mic and I was so excited. Like that I had the courage to do another one, but for that first year I was doing like one open mic a month. But for me, it was amazing. I was like doing a show, you know, like the third mic I ever did. I invited all my friends and family, you know, <laughs> like, and then you yeah. get to a point where you're doing like one or two a night, just grinding stuff out. But but when you first start, like every every open mic seems like an event because it is such a it's nothing you've like it's like nothing you've ever done before. So it feels like it should be special. Yeah, yeah and you're like dressing up for it. You yeah. Know, the whole yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> you do you know who Mo Mandel is? He's yeah. a so he's like he's been pretty successful. He's you know, Comedy Central presents and shows like he's sold a bunch of TV shows and uh 
we started out kind of at the same time in the Bay Area. Mm. He'd been doing it maybe a few more months than I have, but it was just like you said. I bought a a blue button down shirt, very very mid two thousands, and like I I, and I had it tucked in and everything, and I was just going to this like sports pub, and, and I show up and I'm going over my jokes, and Mo comes up to me, and he goes. Uh, you know, this is just like a, like a little showcase. Right. And I was so embarrassed at that moment that I was like, Oh yeah, I just, I, uh, I came from a wedding. <laughs> it was like a Tuesday night. Not from work or anything. Right, wedding. No. <laughs> I came from another large event that few people go to. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. This, this doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, my my first two years, I definitely like dressed up for everything. I had like a, I even wore like skinny ties to things. And I was just like, I went, I was like, you know, because I remember listening to like a Steve Martin interview. And he was like, what do you wish that comics did? He's like, they just don't dress nice anymore. And like, I took that (laughs) and I ran with it. And I was like, even at open mics, you know, I'm just going to be. (laughs) <laughs> it's crazy to me how much advice is out there that isn't applicable. Like I, it's, it's something I wish I would have learned earlier. Cause I remember there's a, a comedy coach in the Bay area who said, always dress a level above your audience. And then I, you know, I took that seriously yeah. too, but then you look at people like, you know, Gabriel Iglesias, who'll just go out with like a Hawaiian shirt and shorts. And it's like, <laughs> that guy's not dressed better than me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't matter. He owns like thirty-five VW buses. Like he's, he's a multi-millionaire. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ask him now, and he says it's because of branding. Uh, but you ask him back then, and he's probably like, I don't know. This was my clean shirt, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I worked with a comic who wore the same shirt every night. I did uh, a triple run with him. Oh geez! And you ever done a triple run? I don't. I don't know what a triple run is. I've only done a handful. Oh, so a triple run, uh, Dave Triple. I think he still does these, uh, but he has, uh, or had like this string of one nighters uh, up uh, through okay. like California, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana. Oh geez, and I, I think I know the places. He probably out sure. of those. <laughs> <laughs> And these, each of them was like six hours from the next. And so a triple run is, and uh, as a, as a headliner, maybe you do. Okay. I, I never headlined them, but I would go along with a guy and, you know, barely make, you know, I'd pay half the gas or whatever, barely make money. But at the time I was like, I'm a touring comedian, you know, sort of yeah. exploits either the people who are coming up or the guys on the way down that have nowhere else to go. So. <laughs> But there was this comic who was like very concerned with his look and he wore the same shirt every night. And this guy came up to him after a show and it's like, he's drunk. He's like, I'll give you a hundred dollars for that shirt. And the guy was like, no. And he turns to me and he goes, I only have six of these. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, (laughs) he brought a clean one for every single night. It was bonkers. As if that'll ever matter, you know, with your career. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, as, as the years go on, it, it slowly becomes just me in sweatpants, you know. Just... Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw an interview with Henry Rollins, and in the interview, they, were, they showed a clip of him performing uh, with his band, and he just had basketball shorts on. And they're like, so what inspired this look for you? And he was like, it's just practicality. He's like, when you're traveling in a van with your band and you're doing your clothes in a hotel sink every night, like you don't want to have to wash socks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's just sandals and basketball shorts. It was just practicality. It wasn't even a look. Yeah. Yeah. That's advice. Uh, uh, one of my friends gave me that's like in a band early on was um, he was talking about when he tours, it's cheaper to go to Goodwill than it is to go to a laundromat. So to just would, like get new clean clothes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he was just like, he would just go to like a thrift store and get a shirt. And that was what was fresh <laughs> instead of paying. the co- And I, I thought that's genius. And so there's been times where I've like known that I've done like things like that, where you're doing all these like gigs back to back. And uh, I, I brought like three pairs instead of six. And then been like, I, yeah, the back half is going to be some random stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll get something cool out of it. <laughs> yeah. So keeping yourself busy with uh, during uh, this time, you've uh, created a podcast. I did. Yeah. I did TikTok first for two months. And okay. Then I stopped. <laughs> and then I did a podcast. Yeah. The TikTok thing was just something to do. And somebody's like, you can get so many followers on there. And so I did it for like the first two months just to keep myself busy. I basically went through all the video I ever had. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I released like a clip a day, somewhere a minute, somewhere 10 seconds. Mm. And I got, I got like 50,000 followers, but I wasn't seeing any impact from it. Like there wasn't (laughs) crossover to Instagram. There weren't like people, you can't really advertise things on TikTok. Like, Hey, check out this thing or I'm going to be at this place. I, I feel like so many people that i know also have like tens of thousands of followers but it's not doing anything for them other than making them feel like oh i'm popular you know yeah but it's just it's a smart thing for tiktok to do is that compared to every other platform you're gonna have way more followers so relatively you feel like oh this is doing something but the Mm -hmm. actual you know physical impact it's it's minimal like yeah. Nobody yeah. recognizes me from the mask up in an airport because of TikTok. <laughs> that's that's the quote of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kellen so, let us know how you really felt about TikTok. <laughs> so then the absolute other end of that spectrum is the podcast that I put, <laughs> yeah. put so much time into have way fewer followers you know subscribers but I did a show in Salt Lake a month ago a series of shows and collectively like a couple dozen people showed up just because they knew me from the podcast really? zero people from TikTok but yeah, from the podcast where I just have literally like 10% of what I had on TikTok and it's already making it. Yeah. Podcast listeners, I'm sure you found it like the loyalty. Yeah. Is, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty great. I, I think it's a much bigger time commitment. And so when, when people are interested in following, like they're really interested, you know, that's like a good percentage of their day, unless they're listening to this on double speed. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. I, a hundred percent when I was touring and then also doing the podcast, I would see that difference for That's sure. Cool. Yeah. And um, you know, and, and, and I'm lucky at this point, like, like, you know, I can go to different towns and, you know, maybe, maybe it is five people or something, but it's, it's definitely, you know, worth it. Um, hundred percent because there is a level of loyalty when you're not only listening to one episode, but when they listen to a second episode, Oh yeah. It's like, there's like this, there is a change there and they, they get to know, and I am, you know, they, they've heard all my stories about comedy at this point. So, so they feel like <laughs> they know me and they're like, Oh, that's Zach, you know, let's go see him perform. So oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I like have announced it on the show about upcoming dates and stuff, I, I've seen that for sure. A hundred percent. So could you tell us just about your podcast? Yeah, it's called the book pile and it's me and David Vance, which is, he's one of the, the smartest people I've ever met. He's a, he's an ad writer, a sort of content producer. I don't know if you ever remember the, if, uh, if you ever saw the, there was a, an ad that went viral on YouTube and Facebook a few years ago with the, for squatty potty. It's yeah. like the stool you use in the bathroom. People know what it is now, but like the, it, um, it took off because of this ad that had a, a unicorn that was it was pooping rainbow ice cream. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> so he was the guy behind that. So he wrote that and a few other ads for this ad agency that just blew up. Um, but other than that, he's the smartest guy I've ever met. No, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> but he reads like one to 200 books a year. I thought that I was a big reader until I met him. And in fact, wow. I remember when we first started talking about books, I was like, how many books did you read last year? Because I was just waiting to tell him um, <laughs> my number. <laughs> As you're, you know, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> but then he said 150 and I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> And then I just changed the subject because mine was 27. <laughs> so, yeah, so I have this podcast and every uh, every episode is a different book. And there, it's not so much a review of each book, but it's sort of like our, our favorite ideas from each book or like like ideas that have influenced our lives. So we we do fiction and nonfiction. So we've uh, done like tidying up things that have helpful, like tidying up power of habit outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, even like on writing by Stephen King. Um, but then we'll also do nonfiction. We're going through the Harry Potter series. Uh, we, uh, we did pride and prejudice a couple weeks ago. And then in a couple weeks, we're doing world war Z. So it's like this whole spectrum of, but comedy is the priority in it. Like we're trying to make it basically like 90% funny and then 10% helpful, which I think is a a good (laughs) balance. That's a good balance. Uh, So you, you guys are, are you rereading these books or are you just like talking about like since you've read them already or he's taken notes on every book he's ever read which is something i hadn't (laughs) done until i met him so i am rereading or just reading these books for the first time but so far like he has a catalog of about 800 books so far so when he preps for it he just goes through his notes but i'm the guy that's on audible or in a book yeah so during the, the pandemic it's it's been a good thing to a good project you know to yeah to be involved with, you know, much more so than trying to edit stuff for TikTok. <laughs> I uh, I think I'm still on my first pandemic book. I think I'm still on the first one that I bought and was like, I'm going to get through this. And then I, <laughs> I'm like halfway through it. And then I'm like, I don't know, man. But, and then I picked up another book. And so now I think I'm done with the first one. 
And I think I'll just tell people I finished it. You know, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that. I remember, I remember faking my way through a conversation uh, about great the uh, grapes of wrath because <laughs> I had recently just read the synopsis on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's like a verbal like book report that you're like, okay, with failing. <laughs> yeah, you can do that now. Like you can just go through something, whatever, war and peace, and then talk to somebody. They're not gonna like quiz you on what's page what's on page 587, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, I uh sometimes I feel like I'm not convincing people that I've read it, even when I've read it. <laughs> I feel like that's yeah. a big issue of mine because I I names don't <laughs> stick in my head at all. <laughs> you know, plot lines. And I go, yeah. And then he did that thing. And they're like, did you read it? And I'm like, I'm sure I did. I just, I finished it yesterday. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to start doing that. I, I have like jokes about that. Um, that I, when I, before I retired and uh, just about the idea <laughs> of like, like now that I'm in my thirties, I'm more of like, I don't know. You know, I'm just like, okay, mm-hmm. with saying, I don't know more. And it's very much coming out more and more, even like I've noticed it yesterday where I was just like, my friend was talking about um, uh, like octopuses and stuff. And, and I had no idea. I was just like, I don't know, man. Like, I just gave up. I was like, <laughs> I surrender. <laughs> yeah. You you know more about this than I do. <laughs> well, yeah, that's funny. And that's sort of the thing that hit me in my 30s too. I think especially in the, it's sort of freeing though. Oh, and so, not only yeah. is it more honest, but it's more liberating. I feel that way, especially about like complex political issues <laughs> where it would be like, I do that. I just say, I don't know what the answer is. And they've done studies. Uh, I forget the source, but they've, they've done several studies that have shown that the people who are the most, especially politically, the people who are the most convinced about their side are the least educated in those topics. Mm. And it makes sense because, the, the, yeah, the more that you learn, I mean, it's that cliche, but the more you learn, it's not so much, I don't think it's the more you learn, the more you, you find out you don't know, but the more you learn, the more you realize things are way more complex than you thought they were. Yeah. You know, like, like if you bring up the, the gun, you know, gun regulation, it's an incredibly complex issue. And the solution isn't just get all of guns, but it's also not give everyone a gun you know there's <laughs> the answer is so much more complex and has so many more moving parts mm-hmm. that it's you can't just uh but you can't just have like a, a 30 second conversation about it yeah we yeah, should have yeah, guns. Yeah. yeah we should have all guns yeah, yeah all right let's go bowling you know that's not a conversation that didn't do anything <laughs> and for the same reason that like if i if i blasted something on twitter one sentence about how everyone with everyone's everyone should have whatever like you you get canceled over a single statement when most of these things are very complex complex conversations that don't have clear answers yeah 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 a hundred percent and i'm yeah i i'm more and more okay with like i don't pretend to know anymore and i just it's just Yeah. yeah i don't i don't even know i don't know how and i often uh 
I used to be ashamed of it. And now I tell everyone, I'm like, I have a GED, you know, I just, (laughs) (laughs) like, like I just try to like sneak that in. I'm like, I went to college longer than high school. Let's just, (laughs) there's things I'm missing. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Also something that I want to talk to you about before, before we wrap this up. Yeah. uh, You were on this wonderful show that I absolutely enjoyed called Inside Jokes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought you crushed it on there. I thought you, uh, for a show where they follow you around, uh, there could always be a way of like, I, I feel like my fear would be that like, maybe I come off wrong or, or something like that. And I thought you, you were great on the show. You were portrayed great and uh, really enjoyed the series. And then I very much at the end of the show, they, they show your set and uh, I thought your set was wonderful. Um, maybe you could speak a little bit about being on that show or any experiences you had. Yeah. So the show followed my, me and my family, it followed like five or six other comics uh, as we were trying to make it into the great or to the uh, just for laughs comedy, uh, you know, festival in Montreal, which is the biggest thing for, you know, an up and coming comic. It's a goal, you know, that everyone wants to, to get to. And so it was, yeah, it sort of showed that journey of like auditioning for it, working material out, finding out that I got in and uh, yeah, I appreciated that they went for a, uh, uh, an authentic, yeah. uh, the portrayal or capture of, 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 uh, my family and of, of, of the journey much more so than like I did America's got talent. I was on a couple episodes of that and it was like with reality TV, it's so different. Like they ask you if you'll say certain things mm-hmm. and they just, yeah, they, try and capture you from every sort of emotion and then portray you however they decide. But in this, I will say the one thing, so everything was very authentic, especially there's a scene where I'm trying out jokes on my wife and she's not laughing at anything. So like very realistic (laughs) moments like that in her defense and my defense, she does laugh. Like when I, when she feels like a joke is funny, just, it just happened that day. Those, those eight jokes didn't fly. So whatever. <laughs> but um, the one thing I'll say that, that was a little hard for me is that everything they showed was authentic. There was nothing staged or anything, but I felt like there were a lot of interviews where I, I was like proud of how, how much more comfortable I became throughout the process and how I was able to, I had some good comebacks, but most of those ended up getting cut because they wanted to show more like what was at stake for me, which there was a lot at stake, but, but I ended up being portrayed more as that guy than I, I, I I would have liked, I think, because while I remember all these fun jokes and stuff, I, I rewatch it and it's like a clip of me that's like, if I don't make this audition tonight, <laughs> like me and my family are going to have to move out of our house and into a trailer and I'm going to have to root you know, do cruise ships for the rest of my life. So it was like the, the stakes were high for me. I just yeah. wish that it, they, they, they did focus much more on the stakes. And uh, whereas, you know, I feel like I can be funny off stage, and I didn't see that as much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I understandable. But yeah, you're, you're right. Like it is like every that show, the way it's laid out is everything leads up to like the big finale. And so I'm, I'm positive that there was certain things 
cut a little bit. But again, like I said, I I, I thought you were great in it. So um, that my takeaway was like, this guy's awesome. So <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah, I guess. And the good thing about that is that I did have a good set at the end. And if anything, people were really rooting for me at that point because they're like, man, this guy's life's gonna be destroyed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if he bombs. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, he's gonna have to do those one nighters again. (laughs) (laughs) Back to the triple road, better buy those sticks of the same shirt. Yeah, yeah. You're outside a laundry mat texting about the next show. (laughs) Uh, Awesome. Um, Yeah. So uh, to wrap this up, where where can people find you online? Uh, Instagram is, I guess, the biggest thing now, the best thing for me, Kellen Erskine comic. And uh, yeah, check out my podcast. If you're going to try just one episode, I suggest either, I think, Steve Jobs, Pride and Prejudice, Outliers. Those are some of my favorite ones. But I'd rather you just subscribe and listen to all of them. (laughs) Yeah, just listen to all of them. And also, uh, I know you have a dry bar special out. So, uh-huh. yeah. You can check uh, that out on YouTube or Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, yeah, there's so much great content on YouTube of Kellen. Um, yeah, so give him a follow. Check him out there. Uh, I've been your host, Zach Lyman. This has been the Zach Lyman Podcast and outro music. Mm-hmm.